good morning. Hope everybody's doing well. The calm Christian here. Keep calm and carry on. Today, I want to read a Bible verse about how Jesus so aptly and deftly dealt with his enemies with words. Mark 12, 12. And they sought to lay hold of him, but feared the multitude, for he, they knew he had spoken the parable against them. So they left him and went away. Then they sent to, to him some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him in his words. When they had come, they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and care about no one. For you do not regard the person of men, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, Why do you test me? Bring me a denarius that I may see it. So they brought it, and he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God things that are God's. And they marveled at him. I guess I'm really afraid of the question, can I ask you a question? Because I know in my life, Usually that question is a prelude to an argument. I have been caught in so many arguments about doctrines in my life before. And then I got caught in something and it wasn't a gentle swap of difference of opinions. It was a dogfight and somebody's out to win. And if I detected the other person was trying to do that, then I must win. And that's where the aggression escalates. My dad lives in California and he lives in California with the other members of the family. And all of them primarily are in the system that I came from. It's a system of Saturday, the Sabbath and a dead false, lying, toxic, narcissist woman who said she was speaking for God and that she had visions from God and she saw the fourth commandment glowing and that she is saying that she's speaking for God and teaching people about Jesus Christ. And I know that the Bible says this about that particular lady who is dead I never met her, but to me, she's a liar. And this is what it says. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. 
My dad went to lunch with his sister, who was married to my mother's brother. So my parents introduced my dad's sister to my mother's brother, and they got married, and they were our favorite cousins, their children, and we hung out together. So our families have been very intertwined from youth. So when I became a Baptist, I went down there very raw, very confused, very visceral, because everything was happening to me. Marriage came apart. All of a sudden, I'm in this new system, this different system, where it's just Jesus and nothing, it seems to be nothing else. No law of Moses, no old commandment, no Sabbath days, no worrying about porky porky and shrimpy shrimpy. And of course, I met the family because, you know, you know, it's family. You know, you want to get along with everybody. But now all of a sudden, something in my head has shifted. Some deck chairs in my brain have been rearranged or deleted. And so I go and visit my uncle, uh, another one of my mother's brothers. And then I see this other uncle who is married to my, my dad's sister. And of course, they invite me over to their house one night. And there's a bunch of people there, but it's like I'm being attacked. It's like I'm being attacked about Saturday, about the Sabbath. How, oh, you've done away with the law. That means that Christians, the ones who go to church on Sunday, S-U-N-D-A-Y, S-O-N-D-A-Y, are deceived and they're lawless. And you know what I mean? And of course, I get exasperated when I'm being asked multiple questions. And it's not for truth. It's not for a comparison of opinion. It's like I'm being attacked just like the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They're not asking Jesus for truth. They're trying to trap him in his words because they don't like him because he's saying things to them that are bothering them. And that's what it seemed to me. I'm not Jesus. I'm not perfect like him, but I'm his follower. So it's kind of a strange role play. So four years later, fast forwards, and my dad tells me that he went to lunch with two of these uncles, the two uncles, the two what I call Pharisee, Sadducee, quote unquote, dudes, right? And these dudes are both in their 80s. So one uncle, the, the more, to me, they're both toxic, but this is the guy who says toxic things. He has foot and mouth disease. Every time he opens his mouth, he says something ridiculously stupid. He shouldn't talk anymore, but of course, you can't say that to somebody because this is a democratic society. Everybody's allowed their opinion. And the dude asks what church I go to, to my dad. My dad says I go to the Baptist church. And of course, I don't know what else was said, but it's kind of like maybe a ridicule or he says, my dad reports about them, quote, they think they have a passport to heaven, unquote. And they think they have the truth, or maybe that uncle said, we have the truth. So they're part of the remnant church. They're part of the lady with the, de the dead toxic narcissist wolf in sheep's clothing in Matthew 7, 14 or 15. They think because they go to church on a Saturday that they are so much better than everybody else. It blows my mind. And I guess 
I imagine myself sitting there looking at these two guys, probably getting angrier and angrier. So the calm Christian struggling to stay calm and yet failing. Failing the very God that I say I serve. Failing the very commandment of the new Torah to have self-control. Because there are people that will say things to you and some people can just, it can slide right off them. You know, some people you could yell at them, the blood pressure won't rise, they'll be as right as rain. But I guess some of us struggle because you get pushed. You know what I mean? You get barbed. Just like those dudes were trying to trap Jesus. They didn't really want the truth. What they wanted to do is get a rise out of him, get a reaction out of him, force him to lose control. So they could say to themselves and to the crowd, hey, look at this guy. He says he has the truth, but look how angry he gets. Look at how defensive he is. He must be hiding something. I think there are people who are really good at apologetics, who are really good at arguing their opinions, right? They're, they're good at that. That's apologetics. And it says that we should do that as Christians. We should know enough of the Bible because it says here in the scriptures, if I can find it, I believe it's 2 Peter 3.15. I'm hoping that I'm not wrong. It says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Sanctify the Lord God. I don't know what that means. Like God is sanctifying me, but maybe it means I'm revering God. And always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And it seems that I'm on the defense, but I'm on a bad defense and they're on the offense and they cause me to lose control. Like when you are faced with such arrogance from someone who's over 80 and will never want to read the scriptures, never want to hear any other point of view, you gotta be amazed, right? Because if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be attacked by people. I met two Christians who said to me before I was actually in the Christian church, in the Jesus-centric church, I'm the, I'm the black sheep of my family. And I couldn't believe what I was hearing because they were the nicest, you know, the nicest people I had met. Sweet, kind, meek. I couldn't understand this. But once I got re-baptized and tried to you know, be part of the Baptist church. And I'm not saying the Baptist church is perfect. Lots of people have said that to me. We've got some things wrong. I'm saying that for me, it was the most Jesus-centric church that I could find. Although I almost got baptized into the Pentecostal church in Cedarview. But it worked out that it was in the Baptist church. You know, but when I entered that system, all of a sudden it was carte blanche, war has been declared on me, and I didn't even really know why. I had no idea what was happening. It was like I was a deer caught in the headlights. You know, my own wife says to me after, uh, let's see, what happened? I didn't, give, I didn't even get baptized yet. And she says, um, I have forgiven you, but I can't reconcile with you. I was blown away. I had no idea what I had done to the person just because I had a different opinion about Jesus. And to me, the Sabbath was no longer necessary.
When you turn to your wife jokingly and say, hey, I've been studying the Bible and I don't think we need the Sabbath day to keep it anymore. And then you call the movement, the denomination that you were both born into, Judaism for Gentiles. Unwittingly, you don't know, but you have unleashed the very toxic fires of hell against your own self and your own marriage. Because my wife got P.O.'d, my friends. Not going to sit down and talk about this. It's like, I want out of the marriage. That's what my pastor had to show me from Matthew 10, verse 31 to 35. And then I said, oh, I've lived this. I never saw those verses. They did not become visible to me until I had lived it. And then my wife, who sought the separation, not me, initiated separation and wanted to get away from me as fast as possible, asked me out of the blue while we were still living together. And all of this is coming on my head. Do you mind if I divorce you? And she said it with a straight face. Like, it's like asking somebody, hey, what do you want for breakfast? Or could you go outside, please, and um, just get the laundry? Just in that nonchalant, happy schmappy, crappy way. I couldn't believe it. Now, that person is not sitting right next to me and probably never will be again. And I'm not carrying a torch for that person anymore. But anybody would say, well, I have to hear her side of the truth to it all. Yes, you do. Because there's a saying, it's not my truth and her truth. The real truth is somewhere in the middle of the story. Because we all have our biases. We all have our way of how we tell things. And usually our biases say we were right all the time and you're wrong all the time. And we all know that's not true. That's why you need a mediator between you and God. And that's why even in your marriage, marriages that work and you have to fight through it and you make it, you still need to probably go to counseling or you need to pray together or you need to go to a minister. But my wife was not having any of that. We're walking out of the marriage. We want the marriage out, out, and we want you gone. And when that happened, that's when I went to California. And that's when I got surrounded by the uncles and other members of the family who weren't out to hatchet me, but they wanted to see a good show. If you are the kind of person who can reasonably argue, even when the guns are aimed at you, you're way better than me. And when it comes to the new Torah commandment of self-control, you got me beat. When I look at you, I would say, I am not worthy. I am not worthy. I am not worthy, but I'm trying to get there. I'm trying. I'm trying to get where you naturally seem to be. As Joyce Meyer says, I love Joyce. She says, hey, I'm not, I'm not what I want to be, but I'm sure better than I used to be. Jesus will get you there. Even if you can't, and even if you know you can't, and you know you can't, but he'll get you there. But it takes time for you to relax. It takes time to be sanctified. Remember, God is changing your spirit, but part of your spirit is your brain. That's your hardware. And it takes time for your neuronal paths to change. It takes time for the firing sequence of neurotransmitters in your brain 
to fire in a different sequence. It takes time because you have a certain way of thinking and all of a sudden you're thinking in ways that you never thought before. It's kind of happened, but there's like, it's like there's two of you. you. You've become a little, you know, spiritually schizophrenic. You've got this new man of faith. You've got Jesus Christ. You know he's right. Yet the old man, the old covenant, the old way of thinking, the old way of arguing is still inside of you. You're kind of toxic to yourself. You're kind of allergic to yourself. And not only are you at a raw time, if this should happen to you, the, the, the people on the outside, they're going to attack you. Because now you've said to yourself and the world, I'm a different person. Jesus Christ is a number one. And that does not sit well with other people, especially people who are religious. Religious people are the hardest people to convince of Jesus. Jesus is about relationships. What I see in the Bible is he never sinned. He never did an anti-relationship. He never violated the new covenant with God and he never violated it with himself and he tried to work with people but he never sinned according to what i read in the bible according to how i perceive jesus lots of other religions talk about goodness and we got to love each other it, we all want to do that everybody wants to do that every human wants to do that we have a conscience good and bad except the very toxic few who are evil right out of the gate you know, the Lex Luthers of the world, the Adolf Hitlers of the world, right? Those guys who just go bad. But the problem is, I guess your life, your life sours. But the problem is, is that that prophet, that other prophet, he was probably a sinner too. He made mistakes. He fell from grace. And if you have, if you recognize that you have the problem, then if you have the problem, you can't be your own solution. Because if you have a problem and you try to get rid of that problem with you, you still have the problem. So the guy with the problem is trying to find a solution to the dude with the problem. You've got the problem, but only Jesus Christ has the solution because he actually never sinned. He had the Holy Spirit 100%. He's the one that had the Holy Spirit full on and has the power. It says in Timothy, avoid people having an image of godliness, but denying the power thereof. If somebody is, forms a church and they get lifted up and lift themselves up until other people say they're speaking for God, like the very words coming out of their mouth, that's what God says. We've got to read their books. And they're quoting more from this other person's books than from Jesus and the scriptures. You could go visit that church. It might be very clean. The church I came from, people all wear suits. No porky porky or shrimpy shrimpy. They're probably the healthiest people on the planet, according to science. So you can look that up. Which religious group is the most long-lived group in the world if you need to find out who I'm talking about. Because I don't want to say the name, I don't want to hurt the nice people that are in there. But when they tell you to interpret the Bible through someone else, 
you know what you need to do? You need to say to whoever it was that gave you the pamphlet as they welcome you into that system, thank you so much. Um, love to hear it. Wonderful message. Or my mommy's calling me. Or I just realized I had a dental appointment. And then you do a 180 and you run out of that religious system as fast as your long, lanky, or chunky legs, or whatever you got passes for legs can carry you. And you never, ever look back at it. Because those people in that system are going to hell. And they'll take you down with them if you let them. The devil is a soul hunter. He wants to bring you down no matter what. And he'll do it with the most beautiful, buttery sounding religious system he can. But there's no power in it. No power in that system. God bless each and every one of you.